Matthew chapter number 5 this evening. Matthew chapter number 5. <clears throat> we'll be dealing this evening with our second part of our teachings on oaths. Primarily tonight we'll be dealing with the Lord's teaching of what this, this particular part of the sermon actually meant. Uh, much of what we discussed and preached on last week, we will not review that this week, but I do want to just begin again in verse 33, and we'll read down through verse 37 to uh, reestablish our context for this evening. There in verse 33, again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. As we looked at this passage last week, we came to the conclusion that our Lord here really was not referring to the idea or the principles of judicial oaths uh, or oaths that were being taken in a court of law or a court of justice. What we established was that the Lord primarily had in mind was the habit of swearing or taking an oath for just simple everyday conversation. In other words, people began to swear on every occasion. Uh, they began to just simply make promises. They began to swear on just regular daily events. It is that idea is what our Lord is actually condemning. He's not condemning the ideas of all oaths. We began looking at this last week, how all throughout the scripture we actually see oaths being taken, uh, oaths being instructed as uh, points of obedience. Uh, we looked last week at Matthew 26, verses 63 through 64, where Christ himself, as he was standing before Pilate, uh, even he did not refuse to take an oath before his father. We also know that the Apostle Paul, when he was called into question about his own sincerity, about his devotion to God, uh, he actually took a couple of different oaths, or he made what would appear to be a sworn statement that he certainly was all that he claimed to be. I want to look at a couple of those before we get into the rest of our text. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse number 9. This is one of those examples of the Apostle Paul, in a sense, taking an oath. He's making an oath here. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 9. He says, For God is my witness... In other words, he's calling God to test the truthfulness of his words. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. The Apostle Paul was making an oath before God as his witness that he was without ceasing praying for those believers who were at Rome. Still in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 9, verse number 1. Romans 9, verse number 1. Another form of an oath here. Paul says, I say the truth in Christ. 
I lie not. Now, he's giving evidence here that he is not committing perjury. He's, he's telling the truth. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. And he, of course, talks about what that sorrow was. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans makes what would be referred to as two oaths that are made before God attesting to his truthfulness. We also see in Galatians chapter 1 verse 20 again the Apostle Paul and you will see he's calling his own statement again into before God Galatians 1 20 now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. So we see Paul makes those statements that would qualify as taking an oath. And then Hebrews chapter 6, let's look at verse number 13. Hebrews 6, verse number 13. And this, of course, is with reference to the promises of God. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made it high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So oaths were in fact used in scripture. They were used by the apostle Paul. And they were actually prescribed or given in the law of Moses. We talked a little bit about this last week. And this was in Exodus 22, Leviticus 5. Numbers 5, Deuteronomy 29, uh, verses 12 through 14, where the laws or oaths were given as being prescribed by the law of Moses. So that brings us back again to verse 33. What was Jesus saying with regard to these? Was he saying that you can never take an oath? No. What were the Pharisees saying? They were saying that as long as you don't perjure yourself, you can... Take an oath for anything. That's what Jesus was correcting. He is proceeding to correct a false interpretation of the law. Now, the main law that was respecting oaths was found, is found in Leviticus 19. I think we went here last week, but let's go back again. Leviticus 19 and look at verses 11 and 12. Again, this is in the, uh, the, the, the context of uh, conduct towards one another. Leviticus 19, verse 12. And ye shall not swear, now this is key, by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. 
I am the Lord. Now I want you to pay close attention to that word profane. Because the, the idea of profaning the name of God is what Christ has in mind when he's correcting this false interpretation. Remember, what the Pharisees had begun to do is simply swearing by everything. And he's going to give them examples. And we talked a little bit last week about how some oaths were binding, some oaths were not binding. Well, what the law actually said is that if you took an oath, then you need to keep that oath and perform it unto the Lord. In other words, if you took that oath, then you need to perform that oath according to what you have uh, promised. And then look at Deuteronomy 23. Just want to give us this background. So again, we're right back where we left off. Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 through 23. This is in a section about honoring our vows. Verse 21 Deuteronomy 23, when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. So again, Jesus is not saying never, ever, ever is it right to take an oath. The idea and the principle here is how these oaths are taken, what they're taking, taken about, but all those oaths, if they are taken, must be performed unto the Lord. A literal performance of whatever you took an oath to do. When the Apostle Paul made those statements, when he said, I lie not, God is my witness, he was, he was calling himself into the judgment of God saying, if I am not telling the truth, I am falsely or I am forswearing. Okay, that's, that's what the idea here is. Now an oath in scripture was simply a solemn affirmation or a declaration. An oath was always to be made with an appeal to God for the truth. Now Paul, those two illustrations, or three illustrations I gave us, those were Paul making an oath appealing to God for the truth. He is appealing to God for the truth and is actually calling upon himself, bring vengeance upon me. When he prayed for his kinsmen, he was saying, oh, if I could be accursed... And part of that oath was not only calling the judgment of God upon himself if he was lying, but also to renounce favor. So a false oath anywhere in scripture is called perjury. Or, as Jesus uses the terminology here, it's forswearing. Now, again, it appears from what Jesus was saying here, again, notice he says, You've heard it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Oftentimes we stop here and we don't, we don't understand that there's a continuing thought here. He begins now to give a list of the things in which we should not swear by. In other words, don't swear by heaven because it's God's throne. Don't swear by the earth because it's his footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. Verse 36, don't swear by your own head because you cannot make one hair white or black. 
Now again, according to the ancient Jewish writings, what the Jewish, the rabbis had begun to teach is that although they professed to adhere to the law, they introduced oaths into common everyday conversations. Those oaths were not considered binding. In other words, you could give an oath, you can take an oath, but it's not binding upon you. I gave the example last week, of course, you could swear by the temple. You could swear by your own head. You could swear by heaven. You could swear by the earth. These are not just random thoughts that Jesus gave. This is what the Pharisees were actually teaching and doing. They were telling the people, you can take an oath before heaven. You can swear before Jerusalem. You can swear before your own head. That's what Jesus is correcting here. So uh, they observed, they believed that as long as they... As long as they kept from swearing by the name of God, okay, or and they observed the oaths that they publicly took, they considered all oaths proper, even if they were broken. In other words, they began to water down the purpose of the oath. Now, the oath or a vow in Scripture is not to be trifled with. Uh, a, a prime example of something that we see in our modern church is calling on people to make promises before God. Often it's done in an altar call situation where a preacher is begging someone to come forward and commit something to God or promise God something. Now, we, I would hope that the preachers that do that are not trifling with that, but I hope they realize that when a person comes and takes an oath, they are expected to keep that oath. And many of those who have been caught up in that idea have found themselves, you know, I've always found myself not keeping what I promised at the altar that day. I kept finding myself drifting back into my old way of life. I kept finding myself going back to the old way. But in the eyes of God, that was an oath. That was a vow. So what Jesus is saying here is it's the abuse of the oath. Again, the Pharisees, as we've learned, were very much known for keeping part of the law, but then adding to it. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's correcting this abuse. It was, in common Jewish life, it was common to swear in common conversation. They would commonly swear by created things. Now, the things, notice again what, he's, what, what they're saying. The earth, heaven, Jerusalem, your head. These are all things that were created by God. These were all of God's creations. If they're God's creations, those things make those very created things God's, they're sacred things. In other words, they are not something that should just be taken lightly. They should be taken seriously because of what they actually are. This, Jesus is saying, to take these kind of oaths, these things that are very closely connected with God, it is to trifle with God himself. Folks, one of the things that's very bothersome, again, in the modern church, and again, not calling out particular church names, is the lightness that we seem to be taking before God. 
We seem to treat God as just another person. Uh, there, there seems to have been a loss of the divine majesty, much like we read in that our scripture in Exodus 19. About the seriousness, do you recall how Moses was told by God, do not let them touch even the very border of the mount. Now somewhere between the end of the Old Testament when Malachi ends and the beginning of Matthew, in that interperiod there, many have gotten the false idea that somewhere between there, God's divine majesty somehow changed. And that he was no longer the God of Mount Sinai. But yet God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. There's also a movement in the modern church is to say, well, Jesus is the less angry version of the God at Mount Sinai. Nothing could be further from the truth. The divine majesty of God at Mount Sinai is the same divine majesty that we see in Jesus Christ. It is, there God, it is God Himself. Remember, God is speaking not just as some teacher. He's speaking with divine authority to the hearers. So heaven is God's throne. The earth is God's footstool. Jerusalem is the very place throughout Scripture where the presence of God was most certainly felt and known. The head of man was made by God. And Jesus gives such a perfect example here. He says, don't even swear by your own head. Why? Because you can't make one hair white or black. You and I are not in control. In other words, Jesus' point here is simply this, that to swear by these things was to treat irreverently objects that were created directly by God. And to do those things would, not, would make a, a person guilty. You are guilty by taking these types of oaths. So when Jesus tells them in verse 34, swear not at all, He's talking about swear not in the common, profane ways that have become customary at that time. Do you know throughout all points in history, customs and traditions of a society change? There are things that happen in our nation, in our country today, that have caught on now as customary, that were not customary at one time. There are customs and traditions if you go to country to country, you realize if you go, and pardon this expression, if you act like an American in some other countries, you're in for a very rude awakening. Because your custom and your tradition is not going to match up with that other country. And people are often, people travel abroad, they don't think about this, they just walk in like, well, this is just the way life is everywhere, and you find yourself very offensive because that's not the custom. Well, what was customary in that day and age with, among the Jews, because the Pharisees were the religious teachers of the day, is people had started making these oaths and started swearing by their head, swearing by the temple, swearing by heaven, swearing by earth. It was so normal that much like when Jesus taught on divorce, it had become chaotic. Most of the Sermon on the Mount is about Jesus correcting the chaos of how the Jews had misinterpreted the actual law. So, 
when he talks about don't swear by heaven, to swear by heaven is to swear by God's throne. Don't swear by the earth. Why? Because it's his footstool. So to swear by the earth really is to swear by God. Now here's the principle. Mankind never has a right to swear by what belongs to God. I don't have a right to swear by God's creation. I don't have a right to even swear by my own head. These oaths that were being made were being made in error because these were things that belonged to God. A real oath only calls into the actual judgment of that oath he who has the power to judge is everybody following this the oath can only be taken by God himself the oath can only be taken that's why Paul says I, I, my, conscience, my conscience is clean I, I, I lie not he wasn't swearing by his own head. He wasn't swearing by earth. He wasn't swearing by heaven. He was simply calling unto God himself. It's interesting. He calls the earth his footstool. You and I think about this great globe. We think about this great planet. And the Bible describes the earth as nothing more than a footstool. We can understand this in our modern terminology. We can, we can see a footstool in our own home. And it's nothing. And, and that's the idea. It's a creation of God, but it's nothing when compared to Him. He says, swear not by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. God is called the great king because He was the king of the Jews. Jerusalem was the capital of the Jewish nation. It was the place that was especially honored as the presence of where God was. Psalm 48, the psalm writer here actually makes mention of this city of the king. If you want to turn there, Psalm 48. Psalm 48, verses 1 through 8. A lot of scripture tonight. This is, this is all so vitally important. Psalm 48, this is a song and a psalm for the sons of Korah. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge, for lo, the kings were assembled. They passed by together. They saw it and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them in pain and as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of our, the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah. Jesus is very specific about these oaths that should not be taken, especially with regard to this common everyday conversation. The most common oath of these Okay, the most common oath of these by Jews and Gentiles alike was the swearing by the head that's mentioned in verse 36. This was common. In other words, if you would have walked the streets in those days, whether you were listening to Jews or Gentiles, you would have heard most of the oaths that were being taken was to swear by their own life. 
we often hear if I'm if I'm lying, I'm dying. Right. That's the, that's the idea. If I take it and I say by my own life. I swear by my own life. In common conversation, they would say, I will forfeit my life if what I'm telling you isn't true. Now, the problem was these oaths, according to the Pharisees, were not binding. So they were not only breaching this by swearing to their own life, but they were also forswearing. They were committing perjury. Folks, you and I don't even have the right to swear by our own lives because God is the author of life. There's a deeper principle here that's happening than just a few words that we can just kind of run through and say, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Jesus was teaching with such authority and such depth. He's telling them these things are not your own. You don't even have the right to swear by your own life because I gave you your life. I'm the author of life. To swear by your own life Jesus is correcting that and saying this is not something you can swear by. Why? Because you cannot make one hair white or black. You have no control or even a right over your own life. Folks, we live as if God has control when we give him control and forget the reality that God is not only the giver of life, he is the taker of life. He determines life. He created life. God has all of that control. God has never given up control of life to anyone. Remember I told you to remember the word profane. It is improper and profane to pledge what is God's gift and God's property. See, it wasn't just about don't commit perjury. Jesus had something much more. Don't profane my name by making pledges to things that you do not own. This is what Jesus is getting to, is what verse 37 tells us. Again, it's the common conversation. These things should not be. Verse 37 really is the way that every believer how their life should be marked. He doesn't make mention of even taking oaths, but he talks about communication. And he says, but let your communication. Now notice he doesn't say, now let your oaths be. He says, let your communication be. This is almost so simple that it's going to fly right over our head. But it's also so deep we might miss it. Okay? This let your communication be. Instead of taking these oaths which you have no right to take, believer, let your communication be simply this. Yea, yea, or nay, nay. Or yes, yes, no, no. Now that doesn't mean he was saying that the only thing you can ever say is the word yea, or the word yes, or the word nay, or no. But what he is teaching here is that for the believer, we should just simply affirm or declare something to be so. 
without taking an oath and swearing by something we don't have a right to swear by. Your word ought to be solid and secure. Folks, you realize we ought to be people of our word. We talk about, again, you hear me talk about this a lot, about the good old days when a handshake is all it took. You realize that that's actually a very Christ-like principle. I should not have to take an oath and swear by something I don't have a right to. My word should be good. I would say by way of application tonight, do you, by nature, trust someone's word just because they're Christian? I would hope not. Being a Christian doesn't mean that their yea is yea and their nay is nay. What Jesus is, is correcting in this is he's saying, listen, don't swear in your common everyday conversation. He's not talking about a court of law. He's not talking about something that is a, of, of, of a, a great thing. He's simply saying, listen, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. It's sad. I find myself personally distrusting people's word. And the reason is, is I think because we've, we've heard so many times where someone says yes or no, and yet it doesn't occur that way. Remember, Jesus is teaching his disciples on how to live as people of his kingdom. And he says, but for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So he said, if you have to do more than just give your word... That's coming from an evil place. It proceeds from an evil disposition or you have an evil purpose. In other words, if you find people often say, you'll pardon this expression, it, it's become, it's com so commonplace in people's language. People walk around and they say, I swear to God, I'm going to do this. And I mean, it rolls off the, it rolls off the tongue as if it's so natural. And I wish I was talking about non-believers. I'm talking about believers who walk around and say, I swear to God. I'm... Do you realize what you're doing? You're trifling with these oaths and you're trifling with God. Because you're not taking it in the reverence that it is. What a believer should be able to do is, I shouldn't have to say something like that. I should just simply say yes or no. I affirm what it is. Or I decline that it isn't. Yes or no. Can you imagine a Christian society? Can you imagine a world society that actually our word actually was what it, we said it is? Where you don't, have to, you don't even have to think about it. It, it almost comes off that in order to make somebody believe us, let me take a quick, quick oath. I, I swear on my life. Do you hear comments like this? I swear on my children's life. Folks, this kind of stuff happens. It really shouldn't be a part of the Christian vocabulary. Your speech and common conversation and just the daily businesses of life should just simply be when you answer in the affirmative, say yes. When you answer anything in the negative, say no. The reason Jesus says yes, yes, and no, no, is this is a stronger, it's a, it's a stronger version of this to say if necessary, affirm it twice. But don't take an oath. Just affirm it twice. Or deny it.
twice. Don't make an oath part of it. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. Don't swear by Jerusalem. Not like we would most cases in our society. That's probably not very common. But the Lord is saying a man's word, a righteous man's word ought to be enough. There is such an important principle here. Our word ought to be enough. Our word that Jesus is condemning here is the rash swearing that was happening that was just being used in everyday common conversation. And he says, for whatsoever is more than these comes of evil. Whatever exceeds this way of speaking, this way of conversation, in the common affairs of your life, whether private or public, comes from the evil one. It's, it's, it's Satan's way. Or it comes from the evil of man's own heart. You know, oftentimes we add an oath to things because of our own pride. We want people to think a certain way about us. It actually probably would be quite refreshing to us as believers and probably quite shocking to other people if we quit taking oaths and just made our words yea or yes or no. Now Jesus gives no reason here, and by we, by we saw with the scriptural proof, nowhere does he say about a court of law. Now there are, there are oaths that are taken in courts, uh, there are those that I think if they're taken into reality, understand that when we uh, take an oath, even in a court, we are simply uh, we are simply pointing to the realities of the truth. But all oaths taken without necessity or just oaths that are taken in com common conversation, those things should be avoided. Oftentimes... The more evil purpose a man has, the more oaths they'll make. It's probably very telling if a person, every time you talk to them, takes an oath. They probably have evil intentions. Always promising, taking an oath, that I'll do such and such. Jesus simply brings this down to where we are. He says, there's no need for this in your common conversation like the Pharisees are doing. Just simply let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Now what Jesus doesn't do is he does not give us the precise terms in which we are to affirm or deny something. But what is Jesus' point? Is that for believers, there ought to be a constant, diligent regard for the truth. Folks, we really should be... No, we don't really. We, we should only be speaking truth everything we say should be truth we should speak the truth and we should speak the truth as Ephesians tells us to speak the truth in love but if we become people of our word oaths and common everyday conversation become completely unnecessary become a man and, man and woman become a young person who's a person of your word let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Let your communication be Christ-like. Let it be God-centered. Let it be God-focused. Our word ought to be sufficient. Next week, we're going to look at verses 36 through 42.
And when we look at this next week, we'll be looking at it from the perspective of really even how this ties together with what Jesus just taught on these oaths. Because he's going to deal with them about how, what they do when someone or something comes upon them that may or may not seem as something they're supposed to resist. Little hint there is in verse 39, But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's going to be a tough one. This is one of those principles that we're very familiar with, and I hope we'll get the true context of what Jesus was speaking about. Let's conclude our thinking.